0: Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this week I'll be going over all of the books that were released on the 3rd of July, 2019, as well as talking about everything else relevant to the world of comic books. So, full disclosure... This is one of them not-safe-for-work podcasts, if you're not into cursing and all that. And, at the same time, this is a spoiler-filled podcast, so this, be prepared. You cool with all that? Grab yourself a beverage. Let's talk comic books. And, boy, were there some comic books to talk about. But, actually, first, I'm going to talk about a little bit of news. And there was some news, as well. Old Scatty Snyder teasing some stuff on the Twitter... Saying he's gonna do an image comic, possibly. Well, I that I I'd like to see Snyder out of the uh, the DC universe doing something that's not Justice Leaguey or Batmany or something along those lines. An independent comic sounds pretty cool, but he's he's teasing an ultra team <laughs> of creators to come along with him. So maybe Charles Soule is a co co writer or something like that. I don't know. His name came up. Um, shit, uh, fucking I think Matthew Wilson is a colorist, that's, phew, phew, uh, Giuseppe Camincoli, dude, I don't know, man, that's, that's teasy for sure, I hope Scott Snyder realizes that the 4th of July is not April Fool's Day, you gotta, you know, lay truth bomb, truth, truth bombs, (laughs) I can't talk, it's early in the morning this time, don't judge me, and yes. I am still drinking. I spiked my coffee, so what are you going to do? This is the Cheers to Comics podcast. (laughs) More news. (laughs) Um, New comic company starting up. by This fellow by the name of Matt Groening? Hmm. You may recognize him from such creations as The Simpsons or Futurama, or his newest being Disenchantment, which seems to not be going anywhere. Uh, I think it was actually cancelled, I believe. But he decided, you know what? I want to still tell this motherfucking story, so I'm going to start a whole new comic book company. I think you can call it Bapper Books. Bapper Books by Matt Groening. And he's going to continue the Disenchantment storyline via comic books. So fucking good on him, man. Good on him. I love this shit. You know what? In this world now where you can just... (laughs) Comic books is so much more accepted. You can... You could... Uh continue to put out a story that doesn't have to be shot on film, and you know the animators I'm sure appreciate that quite a bit you know it's it's a lot less pictures they have to draw that's for fucking sure i don't know i'm I'm very happy with matt greening our uh our time traveling friend <laughs> and the last piece of news I want to talk about is uh so we got, a, we got a Loki comic coming out, and when the Loki comic came out, Marvel said, check it. We're gonna give retailers two for the price of one for every one you buy. We're gonna give you two, bitches, because why not? I don't know. Well, in this uh, whoopsie-doodle type of way, they just decided to say, I remember that thing we said about giving you two for one? Now we're gonna give you one for two. So you gotta buy two to get one free. So I don't know, it's still not bad, but... I don't know if that's just a, a Loki-like marketing ploy that Marvel's trying to do that just turned out to be kind of cruel. But I guess that's still pretty Loki-like, too. Or, I don't I don't know. I don't know for sure. But there's a... That's... <laughs> uh, that's the news. <laughs> no, no, nothing mind-blowing. Snyder's gonna put together a super team and make an Image comic. Matt Groening is going to start a comic book company, so... He can continue to flex his his shit, and Loki and Marvel fucks everybody. So, yeah, that's the news. Let's get on with the overviews. It has been... Oh, man, there was so much good stuff this week. And I'm actually going to start with Marvel. For all you, you know, past listeners, you usually know I end with Marvel for whatever reason. Usually just because it's the thickest stack, but... I don't know, I'm just going to start randomizing shit from now on. The first thing on my pile when it c- all comes together is going to be the... How how I dictate my reading for the week. So let's get on with it. Um, let's just start out super fucking strong. Immortal Hulk. Number 20. Legacy 737. Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Roy Jose. Uh, Bellardino, Brabe, <laughs> Mark Euring, and Paul Mounts. Sorry, I... These names I'm not great with sometimes, and Alex Ross doing the cover, of course. So this book was fucking nuts. So it starts out with Bruce Banner's talking to his daddy in hell, and he pretty much um, his his dad goes on to say, well, this is where gamma comes from. And now, obviously, all you science fuckers out there, are like, no, it's not. That gamma does not come from hell. I can prove it, cause science. Well, yeah, obviously. There's other kinds of Gamma out there. There's comic book Gamma, where Hulks come from. Well, that's where that's where the one below all and all of that shit comes from. <laughs> so, hold your science, fuckers. So, uh, yeah, we, we get a little bit of an explanation there. And then we get this really dark moment where we see Mama, uh, Mama Banner. And it's it's just... Oh, man, it's, it, this is still very much sticking to the realm of this is a horror comic. And it, oh it's still fucking good. So then we go back to our time, and the last we left Hulk, he was getting his heart ate by Red Harpy. And no one liked that. <laughs> so um, what ends up happening is the next time, uh, the, no, in this, this issue, the this scene is Hulk is re-rehealing and we were under the impression that this abomination acid that he was spewing wasn't going to allow Hulk to regenerate fast enough. I mean, we all know Hulk's immortal, and he wasn't doomed or dead or anything like that, but he kind of just, like, brings it right back around, saying, oh, no, he's back. But Al Ewing does a really good job of also explaining how all that is, and Hulk pretty much says, yeah, when she ate my heart, and, I mean, it essentially killed me and it jump starts the regeneration process, so it's not slowed down anymore, so I was able to regenerate super fast. It's like a hard reset is what how they explain it. And then yeah, um now Abomination and uh Hulk are fighting. And Hulk takes it out, takes out Abomination. Um also doesn't want, you know, it, it, he does realize that it's Rick Jones in there, so he tells Red Harpy, hey don't fuck it up. And we get it then we go over to uh um general 14 and uh he he lays or calls a strike an airstrike on harpy and hulk and hulk protects oh, oh what's the reporter's name i forget the reporter's name that is involved in all of this but she she shows up as well because she's been a big part of this. She's kind of the one that brought Red Harpy on scene of all of this shit somehow. She just knows everything. Well, that's what reporters are supposed to do, right? Know everything. So yeah, no, they uh, Hulk protects her during the airstrike. Meanwhile, Abomination he kicks back in, and he and Harpy have a battle, and it's it's a fucking sweet battle, man. The the, the uh, dude. Bennett is just killing it with this art. This is probably my favorite issue artistically of this 20-issue run so far that I've seen. It's fucking great. So, yeah, uh, but... Um, <laughs> the, the fight comes back to the ground after the airstrikes... Not on board, and Hulk says, "You know, uh, well, you're you're getting your classic abomination, help me, kill me thing." So Hulk has abomination down, and he just fucking rips him in half, and he says, "Well, I wonder which what this one will do." (laughs) I thought it was great. Do his ripping him half and half help him, or just ripping and half kill him? Well, it turns out it helps him because inside this thing, just like a fucking Scooby Doo costume, is just Rick Jones. (laughs) Just as, uh, I thought it was. Funny, but I'm same I'm sure there's some metaphoricalness, because that's a word to it. But um, yeah, it's I thought it was. <laughs> this was it's been a good issue for sure. It's one of my favorite issues of the run. But after you see Hulk rip out Abomination, we go back to Bruce Banner, and he's not in hell anymore. Now you see him in just like this abysmal space, and he's all emaciated again, like he has been. And he sees this this light light fella. I mean, <laughs> this fellow made a light, and he's he. Uh, what does he say? I I forget what what he says. But he's, it's. It, I don't think he says anything. He just visits them So we're gonna get this Bruce in space thing now. I don't know. I fucking dug this book quite a bit. I'm I'm very impressed with what uh what Al Ewing's been doing. Al Ewing's been doing. Look at me go. Um, next up, we're gonna go with some Savage Avengers. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect much out of this series. I thought this was going to be a book that sold purely off the basis of Diodoto's Last Marvel story. Well, as it turns out, Jerry Duggan also kicks ass at writing this story. <laughs> this is not just Diodoto flexing, this is so much more. So it is Jerry Duggan, Mike Diodoto, and Frank Martin, and uh, David Finch, and Frank Diamata did the cover as well. So we know Frank has teleported under the city of Sickles. we my family. He's looking for his family. And while he's looking for his family, Electra shows up. Oh yeah, remember that bitch? So she says, look, all this is a trap. You know that, right? Well, Frank doesn't care. He's going after motherfuckers anyways. So that's, that's what his whole thing is. But keep in mind, this is a, a slew of characters throughout this book. So it jumps around as far as what these guys are doing. Now we're going to go over to Brother Voodoo and Wolverine. Uh, at this point in time, Wolverine is all tied up. He's over the, the the pit of blood. And he's just constantly being cut open and bleeding out and healing and cut open again. And you get the point. Um, once this pit's full, uh, bad shit's going to happen. And that's all being done by uh, Kulan Goth. Well, Brother Voodoo pays Wolverine a return favor and goes to rescue his motherfucking ass so he goes v- brother Voodoo goes to fight Kulan Goth and we get this uh, um, bargaining ship between them Kulan Goth says look dude you can't fucking beat me but check it out give me that amulet that this weird barbarian dude stole and we got, we might be able to work something out. Well, right on cue, Conan the Barbarian shows up and says, "Oh, I want to parlay with you, magic man," and <laughs> just you could you could just imagine what goes on from there. And uh, he gets stabbed, but Conan gets stabbed through the motherfucking chest, though. So that's the. I mean, Conan, he he's he has no fear. He goes right after Kulon Goth again. Come at me, bro. Cool on goth, they ain't no motherfucking chomp either. Stabs him through the chest. Hey, but remember the genie venom? <laughs> venom genie? He comes out, and he takes over Conan. So Conan is now symbiotic. And he heals him, and most of the symbiote seems to be all up in the sword now. So this is where we actually get the origin of Conan's venomized sword. If that's a thing... Uh, uh, I mean this is the issue I don't know how how long this this conan venomized sword thing will you know continue to hold weight, but you get the point it's it's here it's here and I dig it well just as all this is ending or all all this is happening we get the oh no venom and conan that's that's pretty fucking dangerous coolon goth you're fucked well, the pool fills up pool of blood fills up and we get uh Oh, I'm going to butcher this name. Yotan Lao, or the Marrow God. So, mission accomplished, Kulan Goth. But now you got all the Savage Avengers all up in that motherfucker. And I'm pretty sure uh, Punisher and Elektra come on scene at some point during that. Maybe I'm mixed up, but you know they're coming. You know they're fucking coming, right? Dude, go out and read you some Savage Avengers. I don't know how many issues there are of this. This might only be a fiver. A five-piece McNugget. So, uh, dude, we're... This is fucking good, man. Go get you some. Now, let's go on to Punisher. Speaking of Punisher. This book, man. Punisher number 13, Legacy 241, Matthew Rosenberg, Simon Grudensky, and Antonio Fabella. Oh, Greg Smallwood doing the cover, by the way. And anything that Kingpin's on, I'm I'm a fucking sucker for. And I'm gonna start out by, by gushing just a bit. Matthew Rosenberg is, there's no question, the greatest person to ever write the character Kingpin. There, there's no questioning that. That is that is not up for debate. Um, well, since the Punisher, I found out Matthew Rosenberg was taking on the Punisher, I've been bugging him and Kradansky and Fabella on Twitter periodically saying, when are we getting the Kingpin-Punisher arc? And even Kradansky went on to say, yeah, chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. I tried to talk Matthew Rosenberg into a 12-issue Kingpin arc. And my pants got a little wet. But I realized that that's not going to happen, right? Well, (laughs) it might be be happening. I don't know if we're going to get 12 issues out of this. But I know that Rosenberg is more than capable of doing that. So... Let's get on with the story. I'm so happy about this. I'm so happy. So Zemo and Fisk are teaming up together. Not happy about it, but they know that this is the best way to take out Punisher and uh, uh, just maintain in power. As they have to combine forces. Well, we get a friendly neighborhood Frankie Castle on the streets, and he gets he gets kind of caught up by the cops. And at first, the cop, well, most of the cops, are like, "Hey, dude." Don't fuck with Frank. He's cool, man. We try to be like Frank, and Frank's no. Don't be like me. I'm not your friend. I don't know why he got English. All the time. <laughs> 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 he uh, he, he's not English, but uh, he he doesn't he doesn't want to be friends with the cops. So then he so essentially the cops leave soured. Like oh, you know what? Fuck this guy. Fuck Frank. You tell you you know what? You're going to need us, bro, and we ain't going to be there for you. So there's, a, And that's really the majority of what you're getting of Frankie in this book. But here's why Matthew Rosenberg is so good at writing. is He could take a main character and only sprinkle him in a couple of pages because he knows how to write the surrounding characters very fucking well. I mean, we already know he could write Zemo like a motherfucker. And Fisk, like I said, if you haven't read any of his, his Kingpin runs, either of them, they're both amazing. Go get you some. Back to this story. Um, Zemo, he he, and Fisk are having this press conference, and uh, they're not a fan of each other's methods by any means. And uh, Zemo surprises Fisk with his tactics of cleaning up the streets, if you will. And he introduces the Thunderbolts to take out Castle. Because at this point, Castle has been criminalized. You know we got the cops against him. Mayor Fisk has launched a campaign saying Fisk is bad, so no one likes Fisk, or uh, Frankie Castle at all. Well, who are the Thunderbolts right now? Who could who could this team possibly be? Well, this is why Fisk is scoffing, because it's Moonstone, Jigsaw, Fixer, Radioactive Man, and Ghost. So <laughs> uh, Jigsaw is kind of a big deal, but <laughs> kinda I'm not even. I mean, he's probably the biggest deal out of all of them, and that's, a, that's a, not the highest of bars to be having to jump over if you get what I'm laying down. So, yes, Fisk is scoffing, but, <laughs> dude, Fisk is going to kill the shit out of Zemo. I, that's, that's, that's how I'm predicting this to go down. Frankie Castle isn't going to have to do it. Fisk is going to do it. See, Z- I mean, he's not going to kill Zemo, but that's gonna, he's going to kill him. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, let's move on to Fantastic Four, Prodigal Sun, number one. So, I wasn't sure if this was a Fantastic Four book or what was going on. This is a Prodigal Sun book featuring the Fantastic Four, because I think we're going to get three more of these. We're going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy, or two more of these, a Guardians of the Galaxy and a Silver Surfer, so all up in space and shit. So, this is heavily taking place in the Savage Lands, and there's Khazar, and dinosaurs, and... Honestly, I, I I have no business overviewing this book, because I don't know what the fuck's happening. Um, to be truthful, it out- ended up in the wrong pile. Because <laughs> uh, I see I have no notes on here. But, uh, from what I remember, it is... This is something that's all it's it's gonna tie in between three books, and a lot of it's not really gonna make sense until we get to that tying end point. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Dead Man Logan, however, I do remember. Um, Dead Man Logan, uh, dude, Brisson, Mister Ed Brisson, Mike Henderson, Nolan Woodard, killing it with a capital K. Declan Shalvey doing these covers. So. Logan, uh, fights through the pain of not having lungs, and he's still, with his super slow regenerative powers, and he still manages to save Bruce Jr. from the Hulk killer. Um, it, it takes, it, it doesn't happen instantly. It takes some time for that to happen. We get a really cool, uh, bit of storytelling going on throughout that whole montage, and, yeah. But the fact is, is that we gotta take, uh, Take him back to Forge, and take Bruce, Bruce, back to Forge, to heal. Forge is uh, a mutant, and not, not a, not a thing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying there. Uh, so they get to Forge, and in Forge's lair, they, uh, they see Spaceball, Speedball. Sorry, not Spaceball, <laughs> Speedball. No, uh, this not not hold your horses, junkies. No, and that it's a person, not a thing. <laughs> I did know what I was saying there. So um, yeah, they see Speedball, and he's in this containment thing. And at first, as they're explaining this, I'm like, oh, this is filler for sure. Just kidding. This is foreshadowing something huge, I bet, because you don't just shoehorn this character in. And that's what happens. He just gets shoehorned in. And with this awesome story of oh, this is why he's in here, and that story being, if the (laughs) if he if he bounces, he'll cause this vibration that would essentially uh, replicate a 10 kiloton nuclear bomb. So he's not allowed to really move much. He's got he's got too much energy buildup all up in him. He just yeah, and he's not allowed to release now. Imagine that agony. It's gotta suck. So we get that, and oh look, then fucking something happens in the area and uh, the in uh, Forge's facility, and motherfuckers are coming at uh what the Wolverine. They're coming for him. The people are still after Bruce Jr. because he in the future fucks shit up, and motherfuckers know that, and. Uh, yeah, and by the way, Sabretooth is also on his way. So we get all these people on the way, but then we go back to the Speedball thing. Speedball? Yeah, Speedball. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, his, his facility has been breached. So is somebody going to use him as a weapon, or did someone fuck up and not realize he was in there and didn't realize they are about to just blow everybody up to death? I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's Dead Man Logan in a nutshell. Let's move on to... Oh, I haven't talked about this book in a while. I thought I was going to stop talking about it until it rebooted. Glad I read it. Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, number 10, Legacy, number 50, Seanan Maguire, Takeshi Maezawa, Rose Camp, and Ian Herring, cover by Bangle. So, oh, this is this is really setting up the what, what's fixing to happen in the 616. Uh... Gwen's powers are acting up, and she says, Well, in my world, the person I would go to would be Elsa Brock, because she's the bitch and knows all about symbiotes. Keep in mind, Spider Gwen is in a different dimension for new readers. And uh, so, yes, she, she must try to figure this out. The person that she would normally go to in her dimension is missing. Okay? So, where would she go? Let's go to the 616. Well, this is kind of a big deal. They don't really mention how big of a deal it is for Gwen to just be swinging through the 616 all willy-nilly. So, well, who would she possibly want to be going after? Well, Eddie Brock, right? Eddie Brock would be the one to have answers about the symbiote. So she gets into the 616, runs into Spider-Man, and you can't tell... I mean, I I don't know for sure if she was looking for Spider-Man to get... Directions to Eddie Brock, or Spider Man intercepts her from getting to Eddie Brock. Long story short, Spider Man says, Oh no, he ain't fixing shit. That motherfucker is mean right now. He's crazy. We don't know what's going on with him. And they clearly don't because he's not mean and bad and crazy. He's just trying to be a daddy. So, um, yeah, no, he, uh, he says, I'll, I'll figure all this shit out in my lab. Give me, give me some of your little spider droplets, and <laughs> uh, we'll run some tests. So while the tests are being rant, uh, uh, fucking, uh, Fritz von Meyer, a Nazi scientist made of bees, <laughs> decides to in, invade the city. So it's up to Spider-Gwen and Peter Parker to um, take out the dinosaur swarm. They're in a museum, is what's going on, and uh, so he's he's the the swarm of bees has engulfed itself around the skeleton of a tyrannosaurus. So now it looks like a dinosaur. So swarmosaur, dinoswarm, swarmosaurus. But oh. <laughs> it's dinosaur, but swarmosaurus just sounds cool. <laughs> so uh, you know Gwen and uh, Spider Man. They, they they beat it. I forget how, but they beat it, kinda. Uh, they at least make it shoe away. <laughs> and, uh, she realizes that while she's in the 616, she's like, Oh, dude, you know what? I don't have to, I, I can hear, I'm just a whole new hero. You know, I don't, there, I can't, I can't be Spider Woman. I can't be, you know, fucking this or that. So after 10 issues, I think this is actually the first time they reveal her new codename is Ghost Spider. So the Ghost Spider name seems to be sticking. Uh, th- originally, I-, I started realizing like they haven't called her Ghost Spider at all throughout this issue that has the title Ghost Spider. It's taken long enough, and I quit reading for a few issues, and here we are, Ghost Spider. But she does; she's not staying at this point. She goes back to her town because she gets all glitchy and everything you'll see in the movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no. But it's it's essentially her, her setting up her her eventual arrival. And the permanent 616. So really, really, really dug that issue quite a bit. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about Old Man Quill. Ethan Sachs, Robert Gill, Andres, Mosa, covered by John Tyler Christopher. So since the Guardians of the Galaxy arrived on Earth, there's been this hero uprising. There's been this hope from people rebelling against the, the evildoers that have taken over, taken over planet Earth. Um, we get this real quick scene with Doom and madam mask and uh, throughout this this bit of dialogue essentially the they say release the Doombots. and madam mask says how many and doom says all of them all of them cuz you know we don't need this this hero uprising so peace bitch but that's all we see from that part and so Cliffhanger right off the bat—they just totally make you forget about this. This is going to be a cool review in an issue or two because it is coming to an end soon. It's only twelve issues. This is issue seven, so yeah. Um, but uh, then we go back to the Guardians and they're just out exploring the remains of this this Baxter building, and they find this Herbie H E R B I E. I don't know what it stands for, but it's pretty much a robot po- protocol to serve or assist surviving uh, heroes because there ain't many of them, so, yeah. But this thing is all buried and fucked up. Well, while they're out there trying to rescue this thing, they get attacked by a bunch of Moloids, and there's a whole fuck of them. And also in the Baxter building, they find this old Damage Fantastic Four helicopter, and it can't fly, but this is... This, the book gets super fucking evil dead right here. <laughs> and, uh they just use the helicopter blades to just slice through the swarm dude good good on you, Ethan Sachs for the 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 old horror movie references I fucking dug it, I dug it, oh, it's so good, um, and then you know a gladiator from the universal church of truth uh he arrives he's after the ultimate nullifier, apparently that's the thing that quill gets in the future to fuck everybody and yeah, yeah then. Well, the, the the big reveal at the end is this whole time, we thought that Quill. Now this is the part that I don't get, and I'm am I'm, I'm positive it's going to be explained, but they just kind of threw this in here at the end. Uh, Quill hasn't been with the Guardians of the Galaxy the whole time. It's all been a figment of his imagination. He's been alone this this entire thing, and that's that's why he's pretty much fucked. Now that Gladiator's right there to fuck him. So ah, it's all on his head. So where are the Guardians? That actually doesn't... I'm worried for Rocket now. Because I know that in Kate's run of Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a lot of speculation that Rocket's gonna die. And when, you know, Ethan Sachs is doing old man Rocket, I'm like, no, he's not gonna die. He's right here old and shit. He lives long, healthy, raccoon, trash panda life. Well, does he? Does Gamora? Does Drax? You know the team. Mantis? Shall I keep going? I don't know, but it's fucking interesting. That's for sure. It's fucking interesting, man. It's fucking interesting. Uh that's that's the Marvel stack. This is fucking quality, right? Go out and read you some Marvel books. There was plenty to read. Almost all of it that I read was good. Now let's move to indies. There's some good indie stuff too. This book, I'm so I finally get to talk about it. Finally get to talk about it. Dark horse, dark horse comics. No one left to fight. Number one, Aubrey Sitterson, Fico Osio, and Taylor Esposito. On the lettering, yeah, letter who gets cover, fucking acknowledgement. That's how much you're killing it. Good shit, dude. So, uh, I, I got I got to read this book three weeks ago. From because of outright geekery and a review I did for him, but I was sworn to secrecy. I couldn't give any spoilers. So essentially, what I said, all I could think of to say was, "This is Dragon Ball Z if white dudes did it." <laughs> <coughs> I called it Eagle Ball Z. Well, it's it, it really is so much more than that. Now that I could actually talk about it, it's essentially what would happen if Goku uh just he, the universe is safe. There's no more Frieza, there's no more fucking cell. None of them motherfuckers. They all dead. Just got to fucking stoop chill now, right? Let's go fucks. Let's go visit the nephews and this freaking yeah, all of that shit. And so that's what he does. He's knock knock knocking on the door and we get this big giant crab man right off the bat and <laughs> uh it's ominous looking, but you could tell <laughs> it's gonna be cool. And to me, I related this character as Piccolo. This was my Piccolo. I'm gonna have a, a relation to every main character in this book, because even the, the creators flat-out acknowledged my my comparison to Dragon Ball Z. You know, no, this, is, this is it. You're, you're right about that. I was worried when I did the review. I'm not gonna lie, because I was like, oh, fuck, I hope I'm not this doesn't feel like a diss at all. This is just what I got out of it. and Right on the cover, it says the comic you always wanted. And, well, how about a Dragon Ball Z comic done in not a manga fashion? It's a comic I've always wanted, right? Here it is, guys. So, essentially what it is is you get uh, a little bit of a relationship knowledge of what's seeming to be the uh, the main characters, um, and their names are, let me see if, I got this, I know I can, Veil vale is our main character, and he's our Goku. Then we've got Timor, who is our, uh, blue haired, <laughs> um, uh, Vegeta, jeez, I can't believe I spaced the name Vegeta, and, uh, his, his wife, uh, what's her, name? I think it's just Kristen. Yeah. And I, w- Kristen being Bulma, essentially, but this would be... Or is it Bulma? Golly. oh Dragon Ball Z fans are going to fucking hang me. My names are all mixed up in the morning. Did I put too much Southern comfort in my morning coffee? I might have. So, yeah, no, this, forgive me for fucking up the names, but in the com- the Dragon Ball Z names, I got the actual comic book character names. So, we get this thing where... Uh, Tamor kind of thinks that Vale is showing up to smooch on Kristen because Kristen and Vale go way back, and I'm not sure if it's in the biblical sense or not. But there's some jealousy going on there. Meanwhile, I mean, Kristen's like, oh no, babe, we're cool, we're cool, everything's fine. But we 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 get their their kids, uh, they're twins, Tay and Tor. Like I said, (laughs) this. <laughs> white people i fucking love it it's, it's not even really white people i don't think i don't i'm not even sure these guys are white i think uh mister Osio's is, is in the uh uh in south america i believe or so not someone in this creative team isn't from the us so no it's not just a bunch of white people i guess what i really mean to say is um non asian i don't know uh oh so back to back to this story. <laughs> I can like I said it's it's just jealousy, jealousy, jealousy between Vegeta and Go I mean, uh Tamor and Vail. And uh Kristen steps out for a smoke or something and Tamora says, Hey, let's spar, bro And Vail says, Yeah, okay, let's spar, huh and that was a terrible Goku impersonation. And it looks is the, the cliffhanger is it looks like Tamor take, is about to take shit just a little bit too far with his Meha Blast. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Next time on No One Left to Fight. And that's even how the fucking story tagline's at the end. Dude, go out and get you this book. It's already sold out, so you're not going to find it at a comic shop unless you live in fucking Timbuktu in a town that doesn't have internets. And, uh, dude... And if that's the case, you're not—you're probably not listening to this podcast unless you're on vacation or Starbucks or something out of town. So, yeah, you—you <laughs> you missed out. I told you. I—I—I I, I said on the poll list priorities, get you this book. You're gonna want it. It's gonna sell out. And here it is. Congratulations, Mr. Aubrey Sitterson and Fico Oseel and Taylor Esposita. You fucking did it, man. I knew it. And real before I—I end the talks on no one left to fight. That art. You need sunglasses for it's so fucking vivid and bright and crazy. There's not a neon color that wasn't used. <laughs> uh, so, some, I could see some saying, "Ah, it's too much," but at the same time, for somebody that's a sucker for bright, vivid colors, this book immediately caught my interest. I loved it. It's great. Let's uh, let's talk about Banjax number two from Action Lab. Rylan Grant, Fabio Alves, and Edson Ferreria, covered by Alves as well. So in the first issue of this brand new series, we got essentially the origin story and the origin ending with Banjek saying, Oh, I'm going to die? Well, I'm going to go back to just being a vigilante. Well, the majority of this book is following his his friend, or former friend, Abel. And that's essentially the, the, the hero, his Robin. Uh, for lack of better words, the kind of mutinized him on him. Uh, he witnessed something that he wasn't going to turn his back on, and says, "Well, you must pay for it." And he's not a big fan of how ban- what Ben Jack's meso- methods are now as a vigilante. So, um, uh, essentially, what it is is Abel. He's he's become this commercialized hero, and um, he's he's got this cerebrus initiative out there, and. It's really has two purposes: one to protect or to uh, patrol the streets, and two to protect himself. Because at this point, he is the face of commercialized superheroes, and we can't have the face of superheroes going down this early in the game of superheroes, essentially. So he has this team going after Banjax. Well, these these teams that are being uh, produced um, by the Cerebrus Initiative aren't doing so well. When, I mean, They're doing okay until they come across Banjax, and Banjax is just fucking them up. Well, now Abel says, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm going back out there to Hero and shit, and I'm gonna lead my own Cerebrus Initiative team, and, yeah, I'm going after you, Mason. Mason's Banjax is not Hero name. So, uh, that's essentially what this is. Uh, I... I'm so happy that I, I, I kept this on my pull list. It, it really was... It was an amazing book, man. It's uh, Visually, it wasn't as gruesome as the first issue was. I think that was really the thing that completely solidified the fact that this is on my pull list, or a few of the uh, the action shots in that. There weren't really action shots in this, but it just goes to show how strong the writing was, is that this was essentially a book of dialogue and story, not action. and. Now there's, you know, action plays a big part in comic books usually. Not all the time. Not all the time. And this is an exception, and, and a good exception. So fucking good on you, Banjax, from Nickelodeon or Kaboom. Rocco's Modern Afterlife number four. I am so fucking sad this book is coming to an end. Anthony Burch, Matteo DeMeo, and Francesco Segala on colors. Ian McGinty and Joy McCormick on the cover. Dude, this has been such a goddamn Rocco book, and I, I believe that Rocco is going to make a comeback in some some fashion. I don't remember how. Maybe this is just a goddamn dream I had because of on a, how much this book affected me <laughs> and my nostalgic 90s ways. So, yeah, enough gushing about Rocco. Let's talk about the actual story. Uh, really, the, the mission is to destroy the internet. Because that's that's what's causing this phone virus, it's zombifying people. It's not being spread through through bites. We've established that in the last issue, or two issues ago. But um, one one or the other. The fact is, is that yeah, no, it's we gotta stop the internet. It's the only way to do it. So uh, Hef calls out his Moo crew, his internet followers, and says, "Check it out, bitches. We've got the zombie horde coming at us. You're our last hope. Fucking man, let's do this. Come at me, bro." Oh, by the way, Filbert's also a fucking zombie. So they got to deal with their friend attacking them throughout all of this. So, yeah. Um, well, and uh, the whole time you're thinking, you know, Hef is against destroying the internet. That's kind of why he calls upon his internet buddies. Like, let's just take out all these people and we won't have to destroy the internet. And so, But Rocco says, no, we're, take me to the internet place. <laughs> so they go to the internet place. And, uh... He he gets this other idea. And he says, well... uh, And on his way, he realizes that it's it's not necessarily the internet that's making people mad. It's the content on the internet that's driving people crazy. It's just nothing but negativity. Uh Uh-oh. Are we getting a fucking message here out of a cartoon book? Yes, we are. Stay tuned. Uh... Fucking, dude, uh, so Rocco realizes it's the content. It's not... It's some cyber virus type of thing that's just that at this point the there's been so much negativity that it's just uh, people are breaking breaking down and instead of destroying the internet he says what if I just put out a bunch of good stuff on the internet and God damn it if it doesn't work he just starts writing out all of these great, feel-good stories that are particular hitting home with particular uh, citizens of... Oh, fuck, where do they live? I forget the name of the town they're in. I'm a terrible fan, guys. I'm a terrible fan. But, yeah, particularly in their neighborhood. I should have just said neighborhood and not made myself sound like an idiot. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's 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 how it all goes down. All right, ButtFeed, not Internet Place. They go to ButtFeed. <laughs> not buzz. BuzzFeed, ButtFeed. By the way, the book's funny as fuck as well. In the most Rocco fashion. Get you some Rocco's Modern Afterlife. Go out, find it in Issues if you can. It might even be in the kids section. I don't know. It is at my LCS. And that's the beautiful thing about this. This You could also read this to your kids. And you can enjoy it so much more as an adult. Because, you know, it's great writing. Rocco, man. I'm sad it's over. Sea of Stars. Jason Aaron. Dennis Hopeless Hallam. Ah, dude. <laughs> uh, Green and Rico Renzi did the, the cover. I was originally going to pass on this book. And then for one, I realized who's writing it. A team up between Dennis Hallam and Jason Aaron. In uh just the solicitation didn't really strike home for me. It. it started out, A father and son try to bond in space. Hard pass. That's not what this is. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, essentially it is. But that, that solicitation was dog shit compared to what this story actually is. So, father and son in space. Dad's working. He's a delivery boy. It's not... Uh, yeah. So... Uh, the son, he's a young boy. He's restless. Ah, this is fucking boring, Dad. He doesn't say fucking. This is a family book. <laughs> uh, and he kind of wanders off into the package area, and he's fucking shit up down there. And in the midst of all of that, uh, there's uh, a space creature that attacks the ship. And at this point, the dad, he goes to, you know, he's got to get to his son. Where's, where's my boy? Uh well he doesn't have a specific set of skills to get him there. He's just this regular ass dude. He just knows how to drive a space truck is all and deliver some packages or whatever. So, he gets down there. Uh, he tries to save his boy and he 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 saves him, but in the midst of doing so, he gets eaten. And that's bad, right? Well, the boy he, on a planet and he's fucking floating through space and and he, he lands and these, these two creatures go up, and they look like they're getting... I mean, they split up and say, oh, we're going to eat this motherfucker. This human, or not one of us thing, is dead. Um, on account of these things need air to breathe, and it suits all fucked up. Well, <laughs> boy, comes back to life. What? That's fucking crazy, right? So he, these creatures realize, or at least one of them, the, the, the little monkey-like creature still wants to eat it. And he's like, oh, that was cool. I wonder if it tastes different. It uh, doesn't say that, but essentially that's the vibe you get out of it. Actually, what he says is uh holy star farts," <laughs> which I thought was fucking great. Good on you. That was a uh, guarantee. That was a Dennis Hope Dennis Hallam joke. I, I don't think he likes being called hopeless anymore, even though his Twitter handle still says hopeless. Anyways, um, fucking. So, uh, the the two creatures say, well, this is a phenomenon. We gotta study this motherfucker. Flash over to the belly of the beast, and daddy's still alive. And he's gonna... This is like Finding Nemo, essentially, in space. Bam! That is what they could That's how they solicited this book. Finding Nemo in space. Because this is what it is. It's so good. I fucking dig the shit out of this book. It is on the pull list. Uh, I think it's only gonna be a six-issue series or something like that. I can't imagine it goes more than twelve, because it seems like a story that's all very within itself. I love it. Go... Ugh. So good, man. So good. Let's, uh... one uh, Another indie. Last indie of the week. Another one that I almost passed on, and then I saw the creator, Mark Miller. Uh, or Millar. however you want to fucking say it. Space Bandits, number one. Mark Millar and Mateus Calara. By the way, Mateus Calara with Mark Millar. Sold. That's... Uh, a creator can sell a book. Once again, the, uh... Solicitation didn't do it for me. Oh, these two chicks are bad and wanna... Could be bad. <laughs> okay. So, I, I think I read that book. <laughs> well, this... This is not a book I've read. Space Bandits is dope. It seems to follow two characters. It starts out in the beginning. We get one character. Uh, uh, Cody, I think is her name. And the crew does a mutiny on her. And, yeah. That's, we boom. Real quick, bam. This is what happens with this story. Bad shit's about to happen. Uh, see, I thought she was dead, to be honest. The way it left off. But, no, no. The crew does not mutiny on her. Now let's go to the other character. Thena Chloe is her name. And she has this scam going on where she uh, the, she gets turned in for a bounty and uh, by her boyfriend, who's a bounty hunter. He collects the money, and then he breaks her out of jail. And they go on, commit the next crime, make her wanted again, or even more wanted. And, yeah, now the bounty just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and he just keeps breaking her out. Well, finally, she's fucking chilling, and she's like, hey, babe, I think we have a whole bunch of money, now let's fucking retire, he's like, yeah, after this one last job, and he turns her in, and he never comes back, well, meets, who does he meet in the prison, oh, that chick Cody that we saw in the beginning, fucking great, I mean, there's no way that my rundown could do this story justice as far as, uh, it's just a good book. Uh, if you're looking for something that, you know, if I can, maybe a daughter at this point, I don't know, it's Mark Millar, so maybe a teenage daughter. One that, I don't know, you gotta be a parent that doesn't heavily censor when it comes to Mark Millar books, cause you never know what you're gonna get. But, dude, I, I'm sold. i fucking fuck another goddamn uh, image book on my poll list, and we've got room now because we know that there's image books that have ended, so <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But um that's that's all I've got for Indies. I've got a few DC books now though. And uh, <laughs> DC came came at me, bro. Came at me. Started out with Justice League number we're already at 27. James Tienan the 4th, Javier Fernandez, Bruno Redondo and Hi-Fi on the colors. Redondo did the cover along with Jordi Tarragona and Tom Almare. So, admittedly, uh, the first few pages, I almost stopped reading because it was just so dense, like James Tinian likes to do. Uh, he, I, I really like the the gist of his stories. sometimes his storytelling is just too much for me. but it it, it it leveled out after a few pages, and I'm glad that I didn't put it down because essentially it really did lay out a major part of. This, this Year of the Villains stuff going on, and essentially the Justice League universe, the DC universe. And, um, yeah, Re- what it comes down to is Martian Manhunter. owner he's, he's being held captive by this Professor Ivo Feller, and he's got this army of amazos, and he created these amazos things to where each individual amazo has the capability of taking down the entire Justice League on its own. So imagine the power, yeah? So that that that's its protector, its enforcer type of thing. Well, meanwhile, the Justice League—they're now teamed up with Forger, and they say, "Well, let's go, let's continue to get all of these uh the perpetua son Forger's brothers." I'm sorry, the word es- escapes me, but these, yeah, um, and the one they're after this particular issue is uh more Novu. Marnovu? Marnovu. So, um, now, yeah. join the Justice League. Okay. So, they do that. <laughs> There's no density there, really. <laughs> it's just speed right through that. So, now it's the Justice League with Forger and Marnovu, and I gotta track down the Anti Monitor, who is the the more evil of the the three world creator type things that Perpetua is. Uh, spawn, if you will. Meanwhile, Hot Girl shows up, rescues Martian Manhunter, gets attacked by a bunch of Amazos. Uh, They get out of there somehow. They're going on and on and on about how Lex Luthor killed himself publicly to, you know, come off as a hero. Obviously, that's not what happened. And that is confirmed right here when the spaceship falls down. And, yes, we got Lex Luthor, but he's in this new ghostly, weird, future Star Wars looking form. So yeah no that's what's going on there. It was not the strongest issue of Justice League. I really wish that Snyder would jump back on this. nothing against James Tinian, Tunian the fourth but uh no no it's I, I like his stuff usually, but the Justice League stuff just hasn't been my flavor. but I and uh, well speaking of James Tinian, I got one more James Tinian book to talk about. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman, number three. It's actually Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, part three, issue three, from DC and IDW. So, hmm. <laughs> this, no, this is not dense. This is great. Javier Fernandez and, uh oh, shit. <laughs> what am I saying? Freddie E. Williams. I got my notes mixed up. Uh, Kevin Eastman. Yeah, you heard it. And Jeremy Colliwell on the cover, colors. Freddie Williams and Jeremy Colwell also did the cover as well, though. And you can tell, because it's fucking amazing. It's one of my favorite penciler, colorist team-ups of all time, is Williams and Colwell. It's so fucking good. And then Kevin Eastman, all up in this shit, too, artistically? God damn. So, essentially what's going on here is Bruce is denying what... um, or Kevin Eastman Raphael, alternate version Raphael has told him, saying this is not your, your reality, your, your brothers are not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, your daddy, your, your origin story is not your daddy uh, taking a shortcut and getting hit by a truck because he was yelling at you for the turtles he just bought you, that, that, that's not your origin story. Your origin story is, and you know the story. So he's fighting that, denying it, uh, but somehow he, he's, you know, I'm going to go figure this shit out. He goes to an old abandoned Wayne Manor, and when he does, he finds an old bearded Alfred. You're like, oh, wait a second, hold on. My Alfred is a rat. So, hmm. Because in this universe, all of the characters are meshed. Uh, all the turtles are versions of Robins, and Alfred is Splinter, and yada, yada, yada. Well, that's that's essentially what's what's happening there. And he he says, oh, you know what? Maybe all this is not right. Uh, I question everything now. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe that Kevin Eastman turtle, black and white dude, totally acknowledges they're black and white, too, which is pretty fucking cool. But, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, what are the turtles doing? Well, the turtles, uh, they're they're fighting amongst themselves. Raph is kind of on the same level as Batman was in the beginning. He's like, no, none of this is real. That fucking black and white freak is crazy. None of this is, yeah. But, well, uh, the other turtles say no. We're gonna we're gonna go. Fucking April O'Neil seems to have the answers, according to Alternate Raphael. So, let's go track her down. Well, when they find her, she's being attacked by uh, by the the oh fuck with the Smile Clan, Smile, something. I think it's the Smile Clan. But it's it's Joker Shredder commi- er, commixed. Jesus, my words right now. Let me just take another drink of liquor. Hold on. Okay, better. So, they uh, they fight them, and in doing so, uh, fucking uh, the Smile Clan captures alternate reality. Uh, Raphael, because yeah, crying uh, has problem or problems. <laughs> yeah, he has problems with him for sure. But he has a uh, uh fucking. He's going to do stuff with him. Did I just Porky Pig? Jesus Christ, I'm killing it right now. So, yeah, no, that's, and that's, you think that's how that would end, right? No, no, the turtles go to, uh, um, Araku Saki. Yeah, the fucking Shredder, and they're like, oh, Shredder, we realize that in some other version of yourself, you are our greatest enemy, but we need your help, bro. Bum, bum, bum. So, Bam. That's what the fuck's happening in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part Three, Issue Three. Get you some. I uh, <laughs> I'm loving this book. So this is just goes to show that this Tinian really, he knows what the fuck he's doing. Uh, and it's just his Justice League sometimes, and it's not just oh he can't write team books because I mean there's just a whole slew of fucking characters here, man. He had all the voices down on point. He knows the turtles. Uh, Batman's voice I'm not so sure about. But I also think that he's also changed the tune of Batman's voice for this particular story. I don't think if he were to say take on Batman as an ongoing, he wouldn't write him in this almost Scooby-Doo like manner. I mean, that's not nearly Scooby-Doo, but yeah, I think you yeah, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. It's good, James Tinian. Last overview of the week: Deceased Number Three was my most anticipated book of the week. Easily. Tom Taylor, Trevor Harrison, Stefano Guadiano, and Rainbowredo on the Colors. Cover by Trevor Harrison and Rainbowredo. So, it's still people dying. It's dying, 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 dying. Uh, Harley, we get her moment. She's not dead yet, though. I don't kill Harley yet. You think she's gonna die. You know, that the last time we saw Harley, she was fixing to go kill a Joker. Had no idea he was about to be zombified. Joker attack. Well, Harley shoot with shotgun. <laughs> so, yeah, you get a moment there. Now, essentially, keep in mind that um, Taylor just, he wants to kill everybody. He does. He wants, and he, I mean, he said it while soliciting this book on Twitter and teasing me for months before the release of this book. I'd say at least a couple of months. And, yeah, like, oh, who do you want me to kill? Well, the fact that there's actually characters that have lasted as long as they have makes me just all the more believe that their deaths are going to be so fucking crazy. Because they essentially killed Batman almost immediately. Uh, they drug him out through a second issue. But almost immediately, yeah, there was no coming out of that one. Uh, the, the, the dicks are dead. I mean, the, the Robins are dead. <laughs> Dick as well. Uh, Alfred's still alive. Uh, he's, he's gotta put people down with a shotgun. Shotgun seems to be the answer to, uh, zombies in this. I cause that's, that's how Alfred takes out Batman and the Robins is via a shotgun. And Harley takes out Joker via shotgun. But that's not the, that's not it for Harley. Zombie birds of prey. Are you kidding me? So, yeah. Now, <laughs> carrying on, uh, fucking Aquaman, he's all fucked up. And everything, because he's in the water, that toxic blood is all throughout the water. So if you get touched with the red blood, you're infected too. You don't even have to get eight. That's fucking crazy, right? So now we got fucking zombie fish. Oh, zombie angry fish. You don't even have to look at a cell phone to fucking get effect- infected. You just, oh, dude. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um. Meanwhile, then we go to the, the deeper, more, you know, okay, let's actually do some storytelling, not just masochist fan fiction <laughs> uh, we get Superman and you know he realizes that. oh shit Damien realizes his daddy's dead it's got to suck but Superman also says well he's his dad's kid he'll he'll fucking bottle it up somehow and use it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so good I love what Tom Taylor does there yeah he's he's a, a oh, it's dark man but then he's like oh shit you know what I gotta do I gotta go to Smallville who's coming with me man Oh, you're not coming? All right, guys. Uh, Green Lantern and Black Canary, you watch these kids. Uh, Are you sure you don't want to come? All right, cool. I'm going to go to Smallville. I got shit to do. And on his way of doing... uh, On his way to Smallville, he's still got a Superman because, you know, the whole world's being zombified. So he's still saving all these people on his way. Well, of course, his plan is he's got to save his parents. He's got to make sure they're cool. And he sees Martha and... She's cool, but John, on the other hand, he a fucking zombie, and the, that reveal is so sad, the look on Clark's face as his dad's coming at him, and he's just stone-faced, and, Mom, we gotta get out of here, but, but your dad, he's not here anymore, and, yeah, oh, fuck, he was too late, man, because he was saving the world on his way. If it wasn't from all the motherfuckers, he might still have a daddy. So, who did Tom Taylor kill? Motherfucking Superman's dad. That's how you. Oh, dude. (laughs) Hmm. That that was. This is amazing. It is DC's best book by far. There is no question right now. This is DC's best book. It sucks it's only going to be six issues. This could go a hundred issues. You could just write this forever. Kill him, bring him back. I don't care. You could just keep figuring out different ways to kill all these characters, because you know there's a thousand ways to kill them all, and they could all be interesting when Tom Taylor's writing, so, dude, kudos to you, man. Kudos to you. Before I carry on to my honorable mentions. Alright, for all you podcast nerds out there, I'd like to remind you real quick and fast that you can get paid to actually listen to podcasts. Yeah, you heard me right. Go to, uh, your Google Play Store, your Android Store, wherever you get your apps, and download an app called PodCoin. And you can actually earn money, real money, gift cards, all that good stuff, Starbucks, Target, all that good stuff, as you listen to podcasts. And all you have to do is listen. You don't have to do anything special, but I can get you started right off the bat by entering promo code COMICS after you download the app. And uh, we'll just hook you up with 300 coins right off the bat. Start earning immediately. And it's not just Cheers to Comics on there. All your other favorite podcasts are on there as well. So as soon as you're done listening to the latest episode of this podcast, go over and listen to all your other favorites and continue to earn. So use promo code COMICS, download the app, and, yeah, get yourself some money. You could also donate to charity as well. So whether it's for kids or animals or whatever, you can do all that good stuff, so feel good about yourself listening to a podcast. Alright, chugging along to Honorable Mentions. There was some good stuff that I didn't get the chance to talk about, or I mean, you guys know how Honorable Mentions work. I guess there's probably a few new listeners out there, so I guess I will explain. It's, It's really the stuff that didn't make the overview, is what it comes down to. It may not necessarily mean I didn't like it, or yeah, but it is what it is. So first on the list was Thumbs from Image, Thumbs number two. I dug the first issue quite a bit. This one, it it leveled off a bit. Uh, It wasn't bad by any means. I could tell it's setting up something awesome, but I also feel like it's probably something I'm gonna want to read in uh, in bulk. So I'll probably read two or three issues at a time and kind of put them away, stash them away in the meantime. Uh, the next one, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm gonna talk about it, Walking Dead, 193, this is the end, the end of Kirkman's journey, it's been a, it's been a long time, man, I like how they, he did the surprise thing, uh, I wasn't too surprised, to be honest, because even somebody that hasn't been reading Walking Dead from the beginning, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, even I know that he said when Rick dies, series is over. So, Rick died, series is over. Surprise. But uh, retailers didn't have a clue. They had to find out from uh, early reviews that came out and all of that shit. So that's, that's really how the news broke. So this is a, a sought-after book. Definitely a book for the speculators, that's for sure. Uh, I say for those lucky enough to pick up more than one dump one now for 40 bucks and if you got 191 and 192 to go along with it probably doing okay probably get about 70 bucks for the for the trio um but save one too because I have a feeling this is not the last we're ever going to hear from walking dead uh this might be the end of this series but who knows we could get a prequel we could get a continuation with a whole new set of characters I don't fucking know maybe they'll do a fear of the walking dead comic (laughs) I don't know I don't know. Uh, Uncanny X-Men, number 21. I, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't think there was enough killing. <laughs> I got so used to Matthew Rosenberg killing all these mutants, and that's usually what I talk about in these overviews now. And I, it's it's kind of a shame to say, as as much as I've enjoyed Rosenberg's run on Uncanny, I don't... I'm not that invested in it now. Because we all know that Hickman's changing shit, so... Yeah. Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys Marvel history. Uh, number five. I think this is the end of it. I read the first issue of this series, and I was a little disappointed, but I I also have every intention on reading the series as a whole, because I really do enjoy Cosmic Ghost Rider quite a bit. I just didn't like where they... uh. Well, just how how he was used and the concept of destroying Marvel history. Just, I don't know. It didn't work for me at that time. But I also have faith that, I mean, it didn't get canceled, so that's good, right? Right? Uh, Arrow, number one. Uh, a Marvel manga. Uh, not super excited about that. Uh, but... This is a new character, and it's also the origin of one of the characters from that was introduced in New Agents of Atlas, I guess. I don't know. I'm not really a big fan of Greg Pack's all-Asian exclusivity in his books right now. Unless it's Star Wars. The Star Wars stuff's really good. But I, I, I really only just picked this book up for speculators' sake, because it's a brand new character. It's a big deal, I guess, to have anime. Manga, if you will, in Marvel Comics. So, yeah, there's that. Doom Patrol, way to the world. Number one. So, the same, Jared Way. The same guy that did Umbrella Academy, I guess. Started this DC's young animal thing. I didn't read Umbrella Academy. I thought the show was good, but that's not what this podcast is about. Uh, I, I thought Doom Patrol was an awesome show from what I've seen. I am behind. I gotta finish it. But what I got in this, is just, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I think the, the, the writing seemed kind of amateur. Uh, the, the story itself was good, but I don't know. Uh, I, Jared Way, uh, I, I kind of, <laughs> I really hate his music so much, is what it comes down to. I hate that dude's fucking music. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a little jaded going into this, but to be perfectly honest, I didn't realize it was him that wrote it until I was halfway through the issue, because halfway through the issue, I thought, how does this guy get a comic? What is this kind of writing? This seems fucking almost juvenile-like, like Like an adult gave a juvenile a script and said, okay, no, I'm sorry, I'm talking shit, but not my book. Not my book. I'm not gonna continue with this. I, I was really looking forward to wanting to get into Doom Patrol, but this Nope. Uh, Green Lantern number nine. Ah uh, fucking Green Lantern, dude. <laughs> because it was such a thick week, I know Grant Morrison books take just a little little extra time to read and get through, so uh, it's not uh not not something I had time for yet. That's what I call a, a Tuesday book. We'll read it before the the big pile of books comes in on Wednesday, so... Yeah, Green Lantern, man. So that's all I've got for honorable mentions. Now it's get, time to get on to the pretty stuff. The pretty stuff being the wall books. Wall books is the st- stuff that's frame-worthy, man. Uh, it's the most beautiful covers of the week. So, oh, Deathstroke, number 45. I f- forgot who did this cover. I... I... I for some reason, my LCS just keeps giving me all of the Deathstroke variants. Not that I'm mad at that, because, you know, Matina does fucking some dope-ass Deathstroke variants. Hey, look at that. They got it on the... Yeah, it's David Finch. Yeah, no big... Oh, it's right there on the fucking cover. Jesus Christ. Uh, David Finch did this Deathstroke cover, and it is a, a beauty. Deceased, number three. These fucking Matina variants. Zombify heroes have been nothing short of spectacular, and this week they're featuring just Wonder Woman. Yeah, the Wonder Woman. Fucking good, man. So good. I like how she looks dead. <laughs> okay, uh, my <laughs> y'all are going to get used to this word because it's going to be a recurring theme in the wall books for quite some time now. Uh, Carnageized Variants from Marvel. You know, Marvel knows how to capitalize on a fucking... On an opportunity, gumps like myself, well, you know, this absolute carnage thing's fixing to happen. Just like Marvel did the Venomized covers and variants, I've got almost all of those. I didn't have a pull list at the time, so I couldn't pre order all of them. Uh, this week, getting all of my books, even though I pre ordered them, tended to be an issue because for whatever reason, they're just, they're just missed. It happens. Human error. But. Hmm, I know some guys and I got my books. So let's get on with these uh Carnageized ones. We've got four this week to start it all off. Uh un- the Uncanny X-Men from Declan Shalvy. This is one that I almost missed, but I tracked it down. And Oh shit, man. This is a good one. This is a good one. I it's Havoc and Cyclops and Wolverine and Magic, I think. I think. Uh the next Carnageized one I got. Uh shit, I don't remember the artist, so I'm going to look it up real quick before, yeah, but this Ghost Spider, this Ghost Spider variant was fucking out of this world, man. Out of this world. Uh, Whoa, come on now, how come you're not giving me the fucking variant cover artist on here? I don't know, I don't think that's Bengal, maybe that is Bengal that did the cover. That's great though, it's so fucking good. Oh, hold on. Ivan Coelho, there we go. It's a good thing I can read signatures, huh? Yeah. No, Coelbo, Coelho's fucking... This ghost spider is phenomenal. Uh, Savage Avengers got a Carnageized variant, and they threw Electra on that bitch. So I kind of like how they snuck in the fact they were going to throw Electra all up in this ship. Cause I think she was in the solicitations for this series and hasn't been mentioned at all up until this issue of Savage Avengers this week, so... Uh, yeah, and the the carnageized variant is fucking amazing. Mortal Hulk got a variant, carnageized. <laughs> it's just so fucking cool. Oh man! And once again, I forgot to look to see who the artist was on this. Ah man, I'm slacking this week, guys. I'm so sorry. But yeah, um, yeah. No, the the carnageized Hulk variant. It's <laughs> it's right up the alley of what this Hulk series has been. It's just disturbing. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, oh, Nick Bradshaw and Rachel Rosenberg. That's fucking cool, man. Rachel Rosenberg, she just has so many different coloring styles. She could do bright and vivid, and she could do... Fucking... Not bright and vivid. Words are escaping me right now, guys. The SoCo coffee seemed to have worked. Uh, last wall book of the week... Is Justice League. Um, I didn't necessarily order this book, but it came in my box, so... I accepted it. Uh, fucking Arthur Adams with this gorilla groan. So good, dude. It's so good. So yeah, no. Those are my uh, those are my wall books. All the pretty stuff. So you may ask, well, what was your favorite stuff? Well, I'll tell you. My picks of the week. It is time for the picks of the week, and that's... I'm gonna start out with interiors. The interiors are gonna go gonna have to go to Immortal Hulk, number 20. Uh, Joe Bennett just. This was an action-packed book. the 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 scene of Hulk tearing a, abomination in half to pull out an emaciated Rick Jones, that was fucking good, man. That was a really good. Uh, I just, I mean, Joe Bennett has not been slacking at all in this series, but this this issue just really stood out to me for some reason. Uh, my my cover of the week oof, is probably gonna have to go to Ivan Coelho. And that carnageized ghost spider. It's so fucking pretty. And it's it's so much more than just how cool Spider-Gwen looks. carnageized. Look at the background, man. The background of that cover. It's just... Whew, it's pretty. So pretty. My overall pick of the week. Oh, Punisher, dude. Punisher. I've been waiting way too long for Rosenberg to give me Kingpin voice again. And fuck is it back? And it was only a little bit, and I'm s- still <laughs> so fucking good, man. Uh, Punisher, it does get my book of the week. No doubt. So, uh, at this point in time, I actually want to talk about... We got, a, we got another creator submission. Yeah. This is normally where the show ends, but uh, I haven't had this in a while, because frankly, time just hasn't really permitted, but the creator submissions are back. I've got a few on deck. So... We're gonna bring it back with Dead End Kids. This book, I, <laughs> I, 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 enjoyed it very much. I just, I'm just gonna go ahead and start out by saying that I enjoyed this book very much. Frank Gogol submitted this to me. He, I think he hit me up through uh, Instagram actually. So yeah, no, you creators out there, if you got, you're, you, you, want to have your book on the podcast, you know, my stipulations are pretty simple, to be honest, you just gotta listen to the podcast, and I'll review your indie book, right here, on the podcast, so, Dead End Kids, Frank Gogol, and now I'm about to butcher these other names, or at least one of them, Nanand and nope, I did it wrong, Canon? something like that, I don't know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but Nanand is the first name. I think I got that right. And uh, Sean Reinhardt, Reinhardt. Jesus Christ, Sean Reinhardt did the lettering. And I, I normally don't, you know, shout out letters and the credits and all of that, but on an indie book, I will, because lettering can make or break a book. And I mean, I'm just gonna come out and say it. The the lettering in this was. Fucking spot on. I dug it, quite a bit, quite a bit. Uh, There, there was, uh, I guess there were a couple of moments where the the talk bubbles seemed to change color, and I can understand why they would do that. You know, because they don't. uh, The talk we chose to use borderless talk bubbles, so when you're if you were to use a white background on a white borderless talk bubble, could not. It's yeah, you, you see what the problem could be, but w- when they do change colors on here, the, a couple of times, it's just a couple of times. I didn't, I wasn't sure what the pattern or the what the necessity was, but that's that's just nitpicky bullshit. Uh, overall, the the lettering was just fine as far as the flow and the panel work and all of that. There was there was never any confusion as to, oh shit, where do I go to? Where do my eyes go to first? Because that, that, that has been an issue for me reviewing comics in the past. So, um, yeah, no, what's the book about? Well, I'll tell you. It's, it's essentially a bunch of kids that all have their own problems in their own ways. Uh, the kids' names are Amanda, Tank, Murphy, and Ben. And they're either foster kids or problem childs or neglected or something along those lines. And uh, really, it starts out with the death of Ben and then we just go back to the relationship of the kids while Ben's still alive and then this issue leads up again to the death of Ben and how it happens and it's essentially a a kids detectiveing the death of their friend uh, i got a an almost a stranger things vibe out of this while still maintaining originality as well there's one thing i i mean i do want to say is this book was still original even though it pulled from all types of aspects. But that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, I don't know, I'm a sucker for that type of stuff. I like noticing, hey, I see the influence there. I, I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, I mean, the book even starts out with uh, lyrics from an offspring song. So they, they pull from pop culture uh, and other forms of media, for sure. I, I mean, I can really... Go on and give you a full synopsis of what happens in this book, but this is a book that I actually feel like you, as readers, would enjoy if you were to pick it up. So, um, yeah, no, it's there's a lot of subjects it touches on. It's it's deep. The art is awesome. I mean, it's it's spot on. Is it mind blowing Eisner worthy? No, no. But you know what it does do is it does a really good job of telling a story. And there's never any confusion, is all at all. Is I mean, at least that I can, that I I, I came across. Uh, I guess maybe in the beginning I had a hard time deciphering what characters were what between, two of the brown-haired boys in the beginning, uh, Billy and who was it, uh, Murphy, but. You, you turn the page, and then you realize, oh, okay, now I see what's going on here. You gotta, you know, you also gotta keep in mind that these are brand new characters. These aren't characters that have you seen before on lunchboxes and shit that you should recognize. These are characters being introduced. We're growing to love these characters, and every single one of these individual kids have their their own reason to be loved by the reader, which I found to be awesome. I I, I really did. So, Frank Gogel, thank you so much for submitting your book to me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I know that you actually have other projects out there. And this this story seems to tie in from another one. And the the name of your other project is escaping me, but I'll put all of that information in the description of the podcast. So, with all that being said, everybody, thank you so much for joining me. I know this is a little bit lengthier of a podcast, but the books were just so good to not talk about this week. There's There's... Good stuff. I like it when the honorable mentions is mineral, minimal and there's an hour of content of comic books to fly through. It's uh, That means it was a solid week for, for comic books, for sure. So, once again, thank you all for joining me, listeners. Uh you find the, the, the video version of all of these podcasts on YouTube at some point eventually, <laughs> uh, you know where to listen subscribe on PodCoin. Like I said, use code COMICS and get your 300 coins. And that's uh, that's a wrap. It's been a podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Cheers.